morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. It's such a joy and an honor to be here and to worship as the family of God with all of you um, today. My name is Ginny. This is my first Sunday as your new children's minister here at Calvary. And it's been a privilege and an honor to be here already. Thank you for the ways that you have loved and supported me. Um, and I really look forward to learning from one another in the days ahead. Um, so whether this is your 800th time in our pews or your first time, I just want to say welcome and we're so glad to have you and to get to know you better. If this is your first time, I would invite you to fill out one of the visitor cards in the seat in front of you. And that's how we'll connect with you and help you get plugged in here at Calvary. If you are interested also in learning more about our ministries or if you want to share a prayer concern, you can also indicate that on the visitor card. Um, and we would love to hear from you. And just place those filled out cards in the offering plate later on as that goes um, by in the service. Uh, you'll also need a couple of things to navigate through the service this morning. You'll need your worship folder, which looks like this. And you'll need a blue, one of the blue hymnals from the seat in front of you. You might notice an addition to your worship folder this morning in the form of a paper heart, like this one. During the month of February, we'll be talking about love, and you will see it weaved throughout our service from the scriptures that we read to these paper hearts in your worship folders. Though it may seem maybe a little bit cheesy to talk about love in the month of February, um, I just have a feeling that we need this reminder in a hurting and broken world, um, just how much God loves us and of how his love calls us to live in this world. So let us worship and love God wholeheartedly um, as we worship this morning. Come, Almighty, to 
to come, our shelter from all stormy blast, and our eternal home. O oh God, empower us with your spirit, the spirit active in the past, present today. Empower us to love you more, to love others, to love those we know, to love those we don't. Empower us today to love our neighbor and even our enemies. <coughs> Oh God, let us recognize your loving, eternal, holy presence, active in the past, today, in this place, and in this wide world around us. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our God, while life shall last, and our eternal home. Amen. Never gives up and never runs out on me. 
never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. And never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love. On and on and on and on. because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we, ha that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. If I could have all the children come join me at the front for the children's message. Good morning. Well, I think I've met most of you now. 
but if I haven't, then my name is Jenny. I'm the new children's minister here, and I am really excited to get to know each and every one of you. So today, as you see, we're gonna be talking about love. We all have people in our lives who love us, right? We have parents, we have friends, we have brothers and sisters who sometimes love us, um, grandparents, teachers, and I'm sure we could keep listing people. Um, raise your hand if you can tell me what do these people do to show you that they love you? Thanks. Yeah, they show you kindness. Anybody else? They help you with stuff? Yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts? No? Okay, well, yeah, those are great answers. They show you kindness, they help you with stuff. Our loved ones, they take care of us. Did you have some charity? Um, they help you when you can't get some food, when yeah. it's like too high in the fridge. Yeah, if you're, you if you're too short to reach stuff, yeah, they help you get it. That's great, they cook for you. I love it when you know my family does that. They, well, they take care of us, right? They comfort us when we're hurting. They laugh with us when something's funny. They celebrate us when something good happens. What about you? How do you show other people that you love them? Can you raise your hands and tell me? Any thoughts? You don't show other people you love them? Okay. Hugs. Hugs. It's a good one. Did I see your hand, Jada? No. Okay, well, yeah, there's lots of good ways we can love other people. We might give them presents sometimes. We might give them hugs. We might ask them how their day was. But is it always easy to love others? No, it's especially hard when other people don't show us love, right? Yeah, but guess what? Even when people are hard to love, God's love is so big that he can love them no matter what they say or do. And he loves me and you guys that much too that he loves us no matter what. If we think about how big God's love is, maybe we can choose to love other people too, even when it feels like they don't deserve it. So as we talk about God's love today and these next few weeks, I want us all to try and memorize this Bible verse about God's love. So we heard it read during the scripture reading, um, but now we're gonna, if you listen first, and then you're gonna repeat it after me. So it goes, dear friends, since God loved us, we should also love one another. First John 4:11. Okay, let's say it together. I'll say it, and then you say part. So, dear friends, dear friends, good job. Since God loved us, since God loved us, we should also, we should also love one another. Love one another. John 4, 11. First John 4:11. Great job, y'all are pros. It's like y'all have done this before. So today we have these paper hearts in our worship folders, and later in the service, Pastor Mary Alice is going to tell us what we're going to do with them, but for now I want you to think about something that you can draw or write on your heart to show how big God's love is and how much he loves you. So raise your hand if you didn't get a heart in your worship folder, and I'll pass you one. Anybody else? Anybody else has one? You need one? Okay. Did you get one, Davis? Okay. Anyone? Cool. So my hope is that we can do what our memory verse says this week and the next few weeks and we can love one another. Hopefully even after this sermon series is over, right? We can just keep loving one another. Not because they always deserve it, but because of how much God loved us first. Let's pray. 
Dear God, help us to love others like you have first loved us. Even when it may be hard, help us to choose love instead of anger or anything else and to act in ways that show others how big your love for them is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us all. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us.
And now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a man named Harry Harlow was one of the first psychologists to scientifically investigate the nature of love. During the first half of the 20th century, many psychologists thought that showing love and affection to babies and children was just a sentimental gesture with no real purpose. But Harlow wanted to challenge this idea. And so in the 1960s, he began to conduct a series of experiments to learn about the effects of love or the absence of love in a child's life. Now in these experiments, he investigated the nature of love through looking at baby monkeys and how they interact with their mothers. I have to give a brief caveat that the way he went about his work was not really ethical. It was highly criticized, and so I'm not condoning it today. Um, thankfully, many of our ethical standards for research have changed significantly over the years. However, even knowing this, I think there are some things we can learn from his research. In his most famous experiment, Harlow removed young monkeys from the care of their birth mothers and allowed them to be raised by fake monkeys. Now, one of these fake monkeys was made out of wire. It looked like the metal skeleton of a monkey. It didn't offer any physical comfort or love to the baby monkeys, but the wire monkey happened to hold a milk bottle, and it gave them much-needed sustenance. And so the baby monkeys would go to the wire monkey for their milk, but otherwise, they wanted nothing to do with it. Now, the other monkey had no milk to offer, but it was made of a soft rubber and covered with a terry cloth. It also had a light inside of it to stimulate bodily warmth. And so while it couldn't provide any sustenance to these baby monkeys, it did provide what they perceived to be love, comfort, and security. For instance, when something would happen that would startle or scare the baby monkeys, they would immediately go to the terry cloth monkey for support. And in the end, the babies with the terry cloth monkey mother grew and developed, he said, to be much healthier, huskier, and happier than those who were raised by wire monkeys. Now, ultimately, Harlow's work found that love is vital for normal child development. In 1958, Harlow was elected president of the American Psychological Association, and he delivered a paper called The Nature of Love, in which he says the following. He said, we were not surprised to discover that contact comfort was an important love variable, but what we did not expect was for it to overshadow so completely the variable of nursing. Certainly, man cannot live by milk alone, he said. Love is an emotion that does not need to be bottle or spoon-fed, and we may be sure that there is nothing to be gained by giving lip service 
to love. He went on to conduct experiments that revealed the long-term devastating consequences of the absence of love, which he found led to significant psychological and emotional distress, and sometimes even death. His work went on to influence important changes in how families, adoption agencies, and all kinds of child care providers approach the care and nurture of young children. Now, I share this story with us today because I think it forces us to ask a question. If believing that they are loved and experiencing the warmth and comfort of that love can change baby monkeys in the first hours and days of their lives, then how much more can love change you and me? Because friends, we are not loved by a terry cloth monkey or a wire monkey. We are loved completely and overwhelmingly by the God of the universe. But my question is, do we really believe that? Do we believe the words that we have been singing together all morning? Oh, how God loves you and me. And if we really believe it, then what difference does that love make in our lives? We have read about, heard about, and sung about God's love all morning together. It's a love that is wide and long and high and deep, as we read in the book of Ephesians. A love that endures forever, as we read over and over again throughout the Psalms. A love that will stop at nothing to find us, like the parable of the shepherd who leaves behind the 99 in order to find the one. And absolutely nothing Neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can ever separate us from this love, as we read in Romans 8. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates these words from Romans 8, 35 through 39 that we heard earlier. He says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? No way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. I'm absolutely convinced, he says, that nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because that's the way Jesus has embraced us. Bible scholar Paul Ochtemeyer says that this text is perhaps the most compelling statement of the basis for Christian confidence in all of Paul's letters. No dimension of reality one can imagine has the power to frustrate God's care and love for us. And I think we know that, at least in a cerebral way. We teach our children from a very young age that Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and that Jesus loves all the little children of the world. We know that. 
like we know that two plus two equals four, or that blue and yellow make green. And yet, it is perhaps one of the hardest things for us to truly believe, to accept and embrace that at the core of who we are, we are loved deeply and profoundly by God. Perhaps it's because like this long list we read in Romans 8, it feels like there are so many things that could or should prevent us or exclude us from truly being loved. We aren't really good enough. We aren't faithful enough. We haven't tried hard enough. We haven't achieved enough, done enough. We aren't worthy enough, not for a love like that. We're not enough, or so we tell ourselves. And yet, despite all of these reasons that we may try to convince ourselves otherwise, Scripture tells us over and over again, like the litany we heard earlier in worship, that we are loved. And not because of who we are or what we have done or who we are not or what we have not done, but because of who God is and how God feels about us, all of us. And nothing, not even death, can separate us from that love a love that is too overwhelming to possibly begin to wrap our minds around. In staff meeting this week, we spent some time reflecting on God's love for us. And I actually can't remember a more vulnerable or meaningful time we've shared together in quite a while. Phil shared about a key point in his ministry when he lost sight of God's love for him and his love for God. He was motivated by so many other things. that he said when God's love became his motivation, it changed the rest of his ministry and the rest of his life. And then Randall began to share how the experience of becoming a parent gave him an even greater understanding of God's love because it's a love that exists before you even meet your child, before they are even born. And as much as we can try as children, we can never quite comprehend that someone might have that kind of love for us. And then Allie shared about being with her father, Russell, in the final days of his life on the day when she arrived in North Carolina and went to his hospital room, he took her head in both of his hands and said, I love you. I'm going to miss you so much when this is over, and you are my life. She said, my dad had told me he loved me countless times throughout my life, but no moment has ever come close to the overflow of love I felt from him in that moment. And yet to know that God's love for us is even greater than that, it's just something I don't know we will ever completely understand. Perhaps that's why Paul prays in Ephesians for the power to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love for us. But I can't help but wonder 
what difference it might make in you and in me if we were able to grasp even just a fraction of the breadth of that love. For the rest of the month, we are going to be exploring our call to live into and out of God's love, to love our neighbors, to love the stranger, to love our enemies, which I think is probably something we talk a lot about and pay lip service to, but I think is one of the most challenging teachings in our faith to truly follow. But in order to love our enemies, or even to love at all, we must begin with God's love for us and not the other way around. As 1 John 4 tells us, we love only because God first loved us. You see, I believe the author of 1 John realizes that once we begin to believe in God's love for us, We can't help but to be changed. It's a love that never leaves us where we are. It never leaves us the same. As Henry Nouwen writes in his book, Life of the Beloved, that we read together last year, as long as being God's beloved is little more than a beautiful thought or lofty idea, and it just hangs above my head to keep me from becoming depressed, nothing really changes. But believing that I am God's beloved means pulling the truth revealed to me from above down into the ordinariness of what I am, in fact, thinking of, talking about, and doing from hour to hour in my everyday life. Friends, if we lived each day not only knowing, but truly believing in the depth of God's love for us, And if we brought that truth down into our day-to-day lives, what difference would that make? What difference would it make to the critical voices in our heads, the ones we often can't turn off but seem to narrate our lives nonetheless? What difference would it make in the times when loneliness just seems so overwhelming? Or when the problems we're facing seem insurmountable, or the fear within us is all-consuming? What difference would it make in the way that we care for our bodies, our souls, and ourselves? What difference would it make in the ways that we spend our time? What difference would it make in the ways we care for others? What difference would it make in the way we show up in this world? In the children's book, Wherever You Are, My Love Will Find You, Nancy Tillman sets out to share a picture of the love a parent has for his or her child. But I believe this book shares an even better picture of the height and the breadth and the depth of the love God has for all of us. And so I would love for us to hear these words this morning as a reflection of God's love for us. And not only to hear them, but to begin to believe them too. She says this, I wanted you more than you'll ever know, so I sent love to follow wherever you go. So climb any mountain, climb up to the sky, my love will find you, my love can fly. Make a big splash, go out on a limb, My love will find you, my love can swim. 
It never gets lost, never fades, never ends. If you're working or playing or sitting with friends, you can dance till you're dizzy, paint till you're blue. There's no place, not one, that my love won't find you. And if someday you're lonely, or someday you're sad, or you strike out at baseball or when you've been bad, just lift up your face, feel the wind in your hair. That's me, my sweet baby. My love is right there. In the green of the grass and the smell of the sea and the clouds floating by at the top of a tree and the sound crickets make at the end of the day, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, they all say. My love is so high and so wide and so deep, it's always right there even when you're asleep. If you're still my small babe or you're all the way grown, my promise to you is you are never alone. You're my angel, my darling, my star, and my love will find you wherever you are. Friends, if we lived each day truly believing that God's love will find us wherever we are, how would that change us? Each of you received a heart in your worship folder this morning. Go on and grab it out. And if you need an extra, I know Phil has some extras in the back. Jenny's got some extras over here, too. I'd like to invite us to reflect on this question. If you could grasp just a sliver of the breadth of God's love for you, if you not only knew that God loved you, but, but really believed in and embraced God's love for you, how might you go about life differently? How would that change things for you? How do you need to embrace God's love for you? Later on in worship, you will be invited to hang your heart along the wall if you choose but for now, we will just reflect on this question and write, draw your responses on your heart. If we lived each day truly believing that God's love will find us wherever we are, how would that change us? Let's take a few moments to reflect together.
keep reflecting on this question together, not only today, but throughout this series. If we really believed in God's love for us, how would that change us? 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says this, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then children, listen up. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Maybe you've never responded to the love of God that was ultimately expressed in Christ. Ultimately, that's a love that beckons us to know and to follow in the way of Jesus. Or maybe you are feeling led to become part of our beloved community here at Calvary, where we seek to follow Jesus together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary, ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. Can feel my deepest. 
By love, Christ came into this world. By love, Christ humbled himself to become human. By love, Christ preached God's kingdom. By love, Christ healed and fed multitudes. By love, Christ was led a lamb to slaughter. By love, Christ absorbed within himself the wrongdoing of all people. By love, Christ shortened the distance between ourselves and God. By love, Christ put death to rest. By love, Christ rose up into glorified life. By love, Christ commissioned the spreading of the good news of love. Today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we'll be coming to different stations around the sanctuary. All who have made a profession of faith are welcome to partake in this meal. You'll receive a piece of bread and can then dip it into the cup. There are three stations at the front and then a gluten-free station at the back. And something unique to today is that you will respond with your heart that you just wrote on as you participate in the Lord's Supper. So whether you're coming to the table or heading back to your seat, you will pin your heart up using one of the clothespins along the sides of the sanctuary wall. So you can do that as you're coming forward or as you're going back to your seat. And we will all do that today as an act of worship and as an act of response to God's love for us. Children who haven't yet made a profession of faith in Christ are invited to come to the front to receive a blessing. If you'd like to receive communion at your seat, raise your hand and a deacon will come to you. So today, we come to the table and we remember how the Lord Jesus, on the night before his crucifixion, gathered with his friends for a meal. During supper, he took a loaf of bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And he said these words to them, This is my body that is broken for you. Take, eat. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks for it. Then he passed it among his friends with these words, This is my blood that is shed for you. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May love shatter us and rebuild us anew. May love encompass and protect us. May love make us compassionate. May love teach us to walk in the new way, the beautiful way. Let's come to the table together today.
that we have several new faces with us today. And if you're new to Calvary, we just want you to know that you are welcome here. I hope everyone will take a moment after worship to just look around you. And if you recognize someone new to you, uh, reach out and, and introduce yourself. But know that we are glad that you're here with us today. Also, if you are new, we'd love for you to visit one of our Sunday school classes. They are listed on the announcements page in your worship folder. And that's a great next step to meeting more people and getting connected with community and digging into God's word together each week, so we'd love for you to visit one of our classes. I know we had a wonderful last, a wonderful time last week with Sam Doyle, who preached with us on Sunday. Sam found out Friday that his father passed away completely unexpectedly. Um, his father's in Michigan. His mother was actually in town visiting them for the week, and so um, Sam and Erica and Samia are traveling back. Um, I will find their home address so that we could reach out to them. Um, and we'll be thinking about ways that we as the Calvary family could reach out to them as well. But let's keep them in our prayers. Well, please join me in this invitation. Benediction, not invitation, y'all. <laughs> Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Amen.